Hey, thanks for downloading our podcast, This House of Cards. Here's our review for the final episode of season two of House of Cards. It's called Chapter 26. All hail to Chief Underwood. Don't forget we're on iTunes and Facebook. Check us out there, give us a review, and we'll see you next season. All right, here we go for the final time. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This House of Cards podcast, a podcast about the Netflix hit show, House of Cards. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Husted, Tyler's best buddy. <laughs> you all couldn't you, hear that, but what you Chris is playing with that. I, I just played a sound effects for Tyler of people applauding, that's all. He's Sorry. playing Google sound effects into my ear. Um... <laughs> Here we are at the end, my friend. Oh, and it has been a long journey. Uh, maybe not for some of you. Probably many of you binge-watched it all in one day. I really milked this for all it was worth. And while it was enjoyable, I obviously was dying to finish it when they had the good articles <laughs> about everything that happened like last month. But you're a good, I'm super excited. You're a good man, Tyler Moss. For, uh, I was on shutdown that long. I did not know what was going to happen, for real. And so... I am legitimately stunned, shocked in a lot of ways, and <laughs> That's excited. Awesome. Yeah, and very excited to talk about it. Uh, chapter twenty-six of House of Cards. Of course, before we begin, I've got to ask you our traditional question: What are you drinking this evening? You know, for uh, Frank Underwood, uh, finally, pro- I guess achieving what he's set out to do, I had to get, some, I had to have some bourbon. That's some what I have too. Bourbon. Nice. Okay, well, Cheers. Four roses. Neat. Are you? Four roses neat, and I got a uh, buffalo Cheers. trace neat. Mm. Classy. Frank would approve. And then, am I gonna say it? I'm gonna say it. Pour one out for Doug Stamper, man. Ugh. Ugh. Pour one out for Doug. I he will be greatly missed, and I'm excited to talk about him. Um, of course, before we begin, you know, leave us your final thoughts. Until next season, on Facebook.com/slash This House of Cards podcast and of course you know you can check uh out on itunes and we really appreciate the reviews and comments and ratings there and i think we should make note that it has been renewed for a third season obviously there was a lot of uh unfinished storylines in this episode for us to um theorize upon a little in preparation for next season so i'm excited for that as well um but without further ado what do you say we dive right in let's do it So, setting the scene here. Of course, we are in the midst of a shitstorm. Um, we see Linda being grilled by Congress about her knowledge of the president. Right. They want to know why she resigned, what knowledge she had. And um, she, Linda's always been very honest, and she's pretty forthcoming about her reasons for resigning, that they weren't to do with Walker. And after some prying, and she was very professional about it, it seemed to me, to begin, she does reveal that her disagreements were with Frank. Right. Um, but doesn't even try to incriminate him or anything. No. I think it's fair to say that Linda is a very noble character. She's, yeah, one she's of the professional few. and honorable. Mm-hmm. She is one of the few honorable characters that we can um, really see on display. You know, she gives us some faith in politics. Some very mm-hmm. little faith in politics. Of course, we also see, in the meantime, Frank being interviewed on CBS. Um, he's continuing to defend the president. We also learn that Jackie, as per Frank's request, has come out against the POTUS as kind of the um, leader in the House, uh, of the, at least the leader of the Democrats, spearheading this effort to impeach. Right. Um, now, Frank is asked... About his role in the impeachment trial. By the Judiciary and, Committee. Well, even the reporter oh, on CBS, no, no, no. I think, asks him. Right, yeah. Right, sorry. So the reporter on CBS asks him about his role in the impeachment. And 60 the minutes. interesting thing... Right, exactly. 60 minutes. And I think the interesting thing to note here about it is, like, it's not like Frank's actions are totally cloak and dagger hidden knowledge. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's pretty public that he... His actions have to some degree influenced the pr- position the president's in, you know, that he's involved the, in the various acts. 
absolutely yeah and it's uh and i think with this interview the public kind of i mean it's just reaffirmed that frank has essentially jockeyed himself into position to become president uh if the impeachment goes a certain direction which it really seems like it's heading right of course, President Walker at this point is um, on poor terms with Frank, blames Frank for a lot of this, as he rightfully, rightfully should. He should, finally yeah. caught on to it all. And him and Linda, you know, are discussing, trying to spin the facts. Well, not even spin. I mean, it's just really telling the truth about Frank is lying and power hungry. Um, and Linda and Walker discuss having Tusk tell the truth about Frank. Um, about his back channeling with China, right? Which would put it would incriminate Tusk, but it would be worse for Frank because he is obviously a politician, right? Right, and, and, and the pressure and the spotlight would come off of Walker a lot more. It would be more on Frank, and Walker it would be more on Frank. Uh, he could stay on as president, most likely. Exactly, and what was the deal that Walker was going to offer Tusk if he does this? So that way he, he was going to, okay. yeah, he was going to pardon Tusk. Which I don't yeah. even know if that's legal or possible, but I don't know the details about pardoning, so I'm curious about that as yeah. well. But yeah, so his deal is going to be after he did this, he's going to pardon Tusk. I guess it would be for divulging the information that can incriminate the vice president, right? Um, so Frank's, I mean, it looks like he's kind of screwed here. It does. And I mean, but it's not like Frank is, this is anything that's taking Frank by surprise. I mean, we see in the next scene him pretty much deducing Walker's plan. Like, if I was Walker, this is exactly what I would do. Yep. Um, So Frank's, of course, plan is to beat him to the source and try to reason with Tusk. Now, let's talk, you know, Linda goes to meet with Tusk. And discusses the pardon, but of course Tusk is thus hesitant to make a deal with Walker because he feels betrayed by Walker. Um, Frank has done a pretty successful job of splintering their relationship of what is what does Tusk keep saying, 20 years or whatever it was, 25 years. Um, while Linda's in the room, Frank sends a secret package to Tusk that indicates a meeting place. It's a gift, if you'll remember. Right. And it has a, a peach and a ticket to Madame Butterfly. Right. And he says it's a care package from his wife. Now... I, this this is so like artsy and poetic and stuff like that for Frank. I thought it was very funny. Right. Um, first of all, I was going to say so. Obviously, the peach. I'm assuming that was supposed to indicate like you know he's from the Peach State, correct? He's from. Oh my gosh, is it South? He's South Carolina, right? Right. But remember, like he came from the town where they had the peach on the oh that's uh, right. water that's tower right. and everything. Yes. So he, I assume. Yes. So he is the peach. I was assuming, and then the yeah, you know, the Madam Butterfly is the meeting place. Does Madam Butterfly? I have no idea what the plot to Madam Butterfly is. Do we know if that has any relevance? Um, shoot, you know what? I I have read that. Um, I also read M Butterfly, but I've, I'm trying to remember which one was which. Um, I believe Puccelli. Who's the Who's the Who wrote Madam Butterfly? He, Frank mentions it at one point. Anyway, um, I don't yeah, know what Puccini, happened. So Puccini. Puccini. It's Puccini. Yeah. Puccini. Puccini. Puccelli. Puccini, right. And so I wonder if there's some relevance there. So so Frank is going to try to meet with Tusk and, you know, two two powerful men kind of make a deal behind closed doors. We've seen this before. Right. Now, in sort of a subplot here, the Marine Megan, who was the poster child, well, poster Marine, um, of the, of Claire's, you know, uh, sexual assault oversight bill in the military. It will remember her as the Marine who called into the interview while Claire was getting interviewed to say right. she too was raped by um, whatever that guy's name is. Mc, McNeil or Mc, something. something. Um, she's had a panic attack because it will remember that last time Claire kind of said, we're going to have to drop the bill for now, you know. Um, this is just how things go in Washington. And so she was very frustrated and upset by that. And we already knew she was very pre- precarious because she was ha- on all those pills. Yep. Um, now, I help me out here because I'm not sure I followed it completely. Did she attempt suicide by drowning herself in the lake? They said she was found in the lake. Yeah, that's what I assumed that happened. She was uh, so suicidal that she went to drown herself in the river a la... Is it, was it Sylvia Plath? 
I thought Sylvia Plath stuck her head in the oven. Okay, what? Who, what's Virginia Woolf? She tried to drown herself, right? Oh, okay, maybe. What, I think I, Sylvia Plath tried to kill herself many times before she did it. So maybe yeah, she. I mixed the two of their suicides up. Uh, very poetic, regardless. Yes. <laughs> um, drowning, drowning, because obviously I think that's very symbolic of probably the um, emotional stress she's overwhelmed by and inundated by and the weight of kind of the giant political machine and go totally. her. Claire goes to visit her and Megan accuses her of Claire of using her um, which I think we kind of had a feeling of before and I think Megan even brought this up when she had her first panic attack on that set um, and she says something very powerful to Claire she says you know I wish I'd never called in now yeah. you know I can't. Whenever I try to, like, in my thoughts constantly, I think of his face, and then I think of yours. Yikes! So and this is like a. Here we're supposed to blame Claire for this. Exactly, it's a very powerful implication because she's basically saying, "I think of my rapist, and then I think of you," almost as if implying you you put emotionally me raped me. Yeah. yeah. Um. And Claire tries to mumble some political excuses, but she's completely out of her element and doesn't know how to discuss it and ends up leaving. What effect, and I mean, obviously, soon after we see Claire just bawling, you know, she calls Trisha and tells, tells her Trisha how Megan's what doing. And, you know, Trisha says, You're a good person, Claire. And this is kind of what seems to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. And Claire just starts bawling on the stairs. Right. Um, what a powerful moment and wonderful acting by Robin. Oh, right. she kills this. It's incredible. What is going through Claire's mind at this time, do you think? I think a few things are happening. And like you said, it's uh, it's all these elements kind of coinciding at the same uh, moment where she finally kind of loses her grip on her uh, uh, assertiveness, her, her confidence, and she breaks uh, because she sees... Megan as uh, you know something that that Claire went through that she tried to compartmentalize and, and stuff way down and not have to deal with because remember she said that you know I, that girl I don't know who that girl is when she was talking about herself when she was raped um, so I think seeing the effect that it had on someone who maybe doesn't have the strength or the support system or the money or whatnot that uh, Claire had to allow her to get through her rape um, seeing that 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 woman break down, and then, and like like her life completely fall apart, and then also hearing from Trisha, who even though she's bland and boring as all hell, she seems like a genuine person, and hearing from Trisha, Claire, you're a good person, even though Claire had been manipulating them and and playing with them. I think that just that, that all those all those elements coming together at once really. Uh, snaps uh, Claire into a, a brief moment of emotional uh, um, uh, overwhelming uh, an, an, an overwhelming emotional response. What do you think? I think you're absolutely right. I think Claire having knowing that she put this poor fragile girl in this like that her do you know, manipulation put her in this position. And then having, like you said, Trisha, another person who she so clearly manipulated and pretended to be friend and be a confidant of, a confidant of tell her, you know, it's okay. You were trying to do the right thing when obviously she <laughs> knew that she was not. Right. It was just like it was too much to bear that these people were still like, well, Trisha was still, you know, trying to tell her that she was a nice person doing the right thing. Because it was just, you know, she's able to push those thoughts down for the good of, you know, her and Frank for the most part but it's like actually seeing that happen and then having Trisha react that way I think you're absolutely right right I completely shattered her ice queen facade but only really for a moment I mean she it's like a couple minutes she breaks down on the stairs and I feel like she'll pull herself together in a you know for the next scene so but it was nice to see her break it was there and is I a think person that, you know there. it's whereas and this is an interesting point that let's I want to talk ask you real quick I feel like she has more of a real core, a real emotional core, than Frank does. Do you think that we've even seen... What's the closest we've come for Frank to seeing something similar? Freddy, do you think? Maybe. Or... Yeah. Freddy, um... 
it, Frank's uh, his his lover from college when they reconnect at when he goes back in season one mm-hmm. to to the college f- with his his like choir mate or, or the barbershop quartet or whatever they were I when they're like laying on the ground in the yeah I think we see him be actually emotionally connected to someone other than Involt. himself yeah invulnerable yeah invulnerable yeah which is. Mm-hmm. So, I think but that, it's very few and far between for both of them. Yeah, and those were fleeting moments as well. Very, very. Of course, Frank in the meantime is meeting Tuskett, Madam Butterfly, um, literally behind the scenes, which I thought was pretty funny. That was cool, and that was um, awesome. I liked that. <laughs> this whole scene I thought was really great. Yeah, uh, Frank, you know, tells Tusk he'll work with him to repair China relations when he's president, and he's saying you'll benefit more by going with me. And Tusk says, you know what? Basically, you know what? Fuck you. I'm going to send you to jail anyway. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love that that didn't seem to throw Frank off a little bit. He's like humming the presidential uh, inaugural tune when he like walks away. After yeah. That. It was, That's pretty bomb. Pretty badass. <laughs> it, was, it was a pretty intense moment and like really well acted all around. I think there was a lot of excellent moments, like little tiny moments like that. And it makes you, like, sometimes I wonder, like, is that something that Kevin Spacey improvised, like, doing the, t- like, humming, whistling the tune when he walks away? Or is that something that he's directed to do? I, you know, I wonder, because he's so brilliant. I feel like he he would come up with something like that. But also, perhaps, you know, it was written as that, mm-hmm. like, just rubbing, uh, uh, rubbing in Tusk's face. Yeah. Just, it's a little kind of... Unclear, but either way, laugh. awesome choice. Either way, awesome. And then, of course, Frank and Claire kind of get into a fight back at home. Um, in which Claire, I think, is feeling hot-headed toward Frank because she feels pissed off that she had to sacrifice something that really did mean something to her. Right. And, be, you know, the consequences it had on Megan because of it. For what? Now Frank is maybe going to go to jail. There's nothing certain. You know, Um Basically, what did she do it for? I did my part, she kind of says to Frank. Now it's time for you to do your part. Yeah. So. Yeah. It kind of reminded me a little bit of, remember last season when Claire convinced the two Democrats to not vote for the, was it the education bill? Or no, it wasn't the education bill. It was something else. Oh. You remember what I was talking about? You know what I'm talking about, No, education Yeah, where she defies... Where she defies Frank by saying that she's going to go convince them of something. Yeah. And then she takes them out and then she tells them not to vote for it. That's right. Right. Anyway, kind of like that. Kind of her being a big F you to Frank, but she... But she's not going to do anything she, to derail it's the not similar, but it, process. Yeah. But, yeah. but, I mean, she, but she has. She, you know, they each... She made a sacrifice in order to save you know, his ultimate goal. And so now she says, you know, I've done my part now. It's time for you to do yours. So Frank tries to, he writes a letter to the president on a, on a typewriter. Right. Um, first of all, significance of typewriter. Underwood typewriter. It is an Underwood typewriter. He tells the story about it being given to him from his father, I believe. Do you remember the, okay. So let's set the scene. He's in the office. He says he doesn't want to beat down Walker in the letter. He says he wants to follow him. Um, What's the story Frank tells about his father? Do you remember it? Uh, I, I kind of. It wasn't it about how he walked in and saw his dad with a shotgun in his mouth, and mm-hmm. something. I forget. I forget some of the details, but ultimately, Frank says he wishes he had pulled the trigger. Frank's dad asks him to pull the trigger That's because right. he's too afraid to not do it himself, and Frank says, "No, I'm not going to do that for you." And then he says, "Like the next ten years are hell." Um, and his dad's miserable and makes life miserable for him and his mom. And Frank says, my only regret is that I didn't pull the trigger. Mm-hmm. And so it's supposed to be saying, in this case, I'm going to... He says to Walker, like, I'm going to be the... I'll, I'll pull the trigger in this situation. And he sends a confession, which is... The irony is, of course, that it is a legit confession. And everything yeah. he says in the letter is the absolute truth. But he makes it sound to Walker like, you know, he's just taking one for the team here. He's going to bite the bullet. And he sends it to Walker, obviously in the hopes that Walker is going to feel bad and change his mind. Right. Um, 
and we've seen Frank do this a few times this season. What a gamble. I mean, this could have gone really wrong. Um, he's made a few big gambles this season that have happened to pay off. Right. And this one, again, does. Yep. You know, Walker calls Frank, and he believes in him. And part of he, the reason he believes in him is because Trish believes in Claire, I think, is one of the interesting things he says. So Claire has, like, really done so out. much for Frank. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And well, I mean, and think Claire's the one that pushed Trisha to take him to the counseling, right? Which is why he's—I mean, even up for it in the first place. I mean, really, Claire's been the X factor this season, setting everything up. Mm-hmm. Yep. And probably like the one thing Tusk didn't account for is like you know he had an answer to everything that Frank did for the most part, but, but he really, realized Claire was working too. Well, he tried to do the whole Adam scandal thing, and that yeah. bombed. Um. So, Franks makes his case for earnesty to Walker, and the president is willing to listen to him. Um, well, keep in mind that Walker at this point has no allies, so he needs somebody inside to help him out anyway. Right. Um, but the president wants to see Frank's proof that he is going to help him by having Frank whip the Senate into not voting for impeachment. So, of course, that's Frank's plan. In the meantime, I mean, Remy goes and tells Jackie um, how Frank basically fucked him by sending Seth to go talk to Tusk. Mm-hmm. Um, but she has little sympathy for him. Their relationship, it seems to me, has kind of fallen by the wayside. I'm not exactly sure, and I want your input on this. You know, they debate the whole power versus money situation, which is something that Frank has brought up time and time again. And Jackie's basically saying, you know, you went, you went with Tusk's side, and Tusk's side was the money. money. You could have said, stay with Frank, and Frank is power. And, you know, Remy says something about how, you know, money stays with you, but power always fades. But kind of tough for him to be saying that right now when money isn't helping him out at this point. He has no help, yeah. And he basically offers his cooperation to Jackie um, on something. And this is kind of confusing because it doesn't end up happening because Tusk is an X Factor here. But it sounds like Jackie is going to have Remy go confess... Uh, to working for Tusk behind the lines and basically incriminate Tusk. Mm-hmm. Is that the way uh, you understood thought, it too? I think that's what I thought was going to happen, that tu- that Remy was going to throw Tusk under the bus. And Remy might go to prison, I think, is even what the implication is. But it's a sacrifice he'll then make and maybe get a job with Jackie's office or something like that. It's not entirely clear, but there will be some payback. But it seems like their relationship is over. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, it does. I don't think that means it won't start up again in next season, or there might be some uh, residual feelings there. But the relationship mm-hmm. does seem to be strictly a professional one now. Yeah, they've kind of burned their bridges, at least for the time being, so we'll have to see how that rebounds next season. And I kind of hope it does, because I think there was an authenticity to it. We discussed I agree. this in the past yeah. a little bit. Right. Um, I think that Remy was put in a tough situation a few times. Uh, he put himself in that tough situation, but I think he really did care for Jackie, and that's kind of what ultimately led to his demise. Because he had an opportunity to sell her out to Tusk, and he didn't. Now, Walker, the president, after having made his deal with Frank, calls Linda and says that the deal's off with Tusk. He's no longer going to pardon Tusk. And this is when I kind of started to realize what Frank had just done because I was very confused <laughs> as to what he thought he was going to accomplish here right. with the letter to Walker. And it turns out that the person he was trying to manipulate was not Walker after all, but it was it was Tusk, basically through an inter- intermediary. He was trying to manipulate Tusk all along. It didn't have anything to do with trying to get Walker to like him anymore or do one thing or another. Um, except just to tell, you know, to flip-flop on Tusk once more. And Tusk is at the point where he's like, God damn it, I'm sick of this. Yeah. So he gets the call, the deal's off, and he also learns that Remy's testifying against him. So I guess this is what the purpose he's, of Remy is, is he knows that he's going under no matter what. Yeah, he's in a corner. Um, so this is probably what leads him to end up no, to, to not plead the fifth, uh, ultimately, is the fact that he knows... Even if he pleads the fifth, Remy's going to come in and testify against him, and he's going to go under anyway. He's so he might no as well just what. tell the truth. Right. He might as well just tell the truth, and he's so pissed at Walker now that this is going to be some form of retribution. He'll take and him down so with him. Frank has orchestrated this backstabbing and has managed to 
take his enemy and have his enemy plunge a dagger into his other enemy's back. Yep. Well so, played. Well played. Very, very cunning. Um, man. In the meantime, you know, Frank's going and talking to different people in the Senate and basically implying that, you know, when I'm president, you'll be better off. You know, we need your votes for uh, for Walker. and But, you know, if I was president, things would be different. And we kind of see him posturing to be able to take over for president. Um, I'm talking about when he meets with Kern, who was the, of course, Secretary of State candidate that he kind of screwed over last season. Right. Now, Tusk is in his trial. He pleads the fifth at first. Then when he's under duress, he gets angry. Sells out Walker. Did you expect this at this point? Uh, I didn't really expect it, but the way it happened, it totally made sense. It, it came about very organically that he's just like, you know, screw this. He knew it. He knew everything. I, I could totally see someone getting that frustrated and upset when they're cornered. Mm-hmm. And I've got to say I'm impressed with the writers on this because so much of this storyline for a good chunk of the season was so convoluted. Yeah, that it felt like this was going to be you know messy no matter what, and albeit it was a little bit intricate getting here, and like we said, some of the stuff hasn't necessarily made sense. Why everyone's so aggressively trying to impeach Walker when he really hasn't done anything so it, bad? Yeah, it's still I agree unclear with that. to me. Yeah, it's I think that's weird. probably the major the major hole in everything yeah. is that. Oh my God, he had a Xanax. No. And then he then he tried to talk to the his counselor about not talking about the Xanax. Oh my god, it's yeah, it's yeah. a little absurd. But we're here and that <laughs> somehow. That's a little absurd, but I <laughs> yeah, but I do agree with you that the Tusk stuff was very organic, and I like how that came through. He, it was and awesome. So, he was just very you know it happened with the you know throwing your hands up in the air and just being like, all right, fuck all y'all. I'm taking all y'all down. And Tess doesn't even seem sad or upset about it. He walks out and he's like, you know what, you're not going to put handcuffs on me? That was on my bucket list. <laughs> that was funny. He, I mean, he had to have known. It, I think it was ultimately going to lead to this, I guess, deep down if he's that chipper about it. Exactly. And so protesters since then are gathering in front of the White House. Now they're demanding Walker's recognition because now... Now it makes sense why they're trying to... Like, why yes. he would be impeached. Now because the real truth is out that he had... Exactly. He had an incredibly buddy-buddy relationship with Walker for the past 20 years. Um, and basically, Tusk has been the one controlling the the White House for... Well, and controlling Walker for such a huge chunk of this time. Right. Right. You know, the senators are now discussing a bipartisan front for impeachment. Um, Frank and Walker... I mean, of course, Walker, though, is still on Frank's side. Now he just blames Tusk for stabbing him in the back. Yeah. So he still is on good terms with Frank after all this. He doesn't see, he doesn't see the whole forest. You know? He doesn't. He's stupid as ever. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. He's and the worst president. The numbers. Yep, they're not on his side. And Walker confesses its retribution for... Uh, basically, like, Frank, he's kind of like... Frank's like, well, why would he sell you out like that? And Walker almost pretty much comes out and says, well, it's because... Um, I was going to have him because, implicate you. Yeah. So now he's... I mean, it's pretty clear at this point that Walker no longer has an out. There's no nothing Frank can do to help save him at this point in time. Um, it's going to be impeachment or it's going to be resignation. Right. He's in Nixon's position. Right. Um, now... Let's talk about our friend Doug Stamper, because this is kind of his swan song right here. Right. Um, Hacker Gavin has worked out a deal with the FBI to meet with Stamper. Because mm-hmm. uh, um, as we know, he's been following Stamper's movements, has blackmailed the FBI in order to get this meeting. Now, he meets with Stamper and tells Doug that he knows about Rachel, but he doesn't want to turn Doug in, but he wants protection from Stamper. He wants proof that the deals he made with the FBI are going to be followed through upon. Right. And so I had asked right here, will Gavin become a bigger character in season three? Um, I think it's safe to say that that is a good possibility, especially now that he's not going to have the protection he thought he was going to have. Right. I think, I mean, we kind of talked about this, how his role might ultimately be, you know, uh, House of Cards' view on what 
you know, open records and journalism and, and all that should actually be, or who's actually doing the real journalism now, which are all these hackers. So because they've done such a piss poor job of depicting actual journalists with the exact exception of, um, I, as it was Isla, um, Isla Sayad. Yeah. And even then she kind of gets manipulated a little bit, but yeah, towards the end, yeah. right. Maybe, uh, maybe Gavin's the guy that's actually ultimately able to be, to, to take down Frank. Or at least give him a challenge. I definitely think that's a possibility. And if we're going to, you know, be discussing theories for season three, um, you know, I think that Gavin being the one ultimately who ends up taking Frank down would be, it would make sense in a lot of ways. I think. Mm-hmm. I think you're right about that. So I think that's definitely a possibility, especially now that he's in the position where he's not going to have. He has this information, but doesn't have. Uh, the protection that Stamper would have provided him. Of course, uh, you know, knowing that Gavin is informed about Rachel, instead of trusting Gavin, Stamper goes to get Rachel and move her to a new place. Yep. Um, and she's kind of freaking out because he's being real intense he's about this. And yeah, he's saying, intense is a good word. Do you, So she's like saying, are you going to hurt me? Um, you know, she says how he's ruined her life. And we're not really sure if he's taking her... Okay, so there's a lot of questions here. Let's just say what happens is he drives her out into like the middle of nowhere. It's like a field somewhere. She gets out of the car and runs for it at a stoplight in the middle of nowhere. He leaves the car and jumps out, chases after her, is like calling her name in the woods, can't find her, it's dark. She seems to have found a rock or a brick, hits him in the head once, twice, thrice, and he's done. Couple questions for you here. Why is he so upset to begin with? Um, and do you think that he's going to that his plan was to kill Rachel? I don't think his plan was to kill her. I think he was just trying to move her again because he was freaked out by the uh, possibly meeting up with Gavin. Uh, he's this is the one loose end that he's been trying to protect because of his complicated, bizarre feelings that he has for Rachel. And uh, I think he was going to move her somewhere else and hide her out again. And she was freaked out and sick of it and and took it to him with the with the I think it was a rock it might have been a brick anyway something hard beat bashed his head in what do I you, am going you think he was going to kill disagree her disagree with you I think that's why he was so upset and that's why he was being such a dick so he's like shit because, I gotta kill her cause he knew that like he really loved her and he was going to have to do oh, something that bad makes, right that makes her reaction and, a little better Mm-hmm. And that's why he That's why he was pissed Just because he was He knew that he was going to do, have to do something he didn't want to do And didn't want to be reminded of them Like having a positive relationship Or anything like that He wanted to he like put on a hard front and was going to be hard And drive her out into the country And maybe bash her head in with a brick or something like that Right But she had a feeling and got to him first And Doug is dead Doug is dead. Of course, that's like the one uh, last. Season I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's you it's, don't think he's dead. It, it, it looks like he could be dead, but I mean, it's still open ended enough that you know he could be. Aren't his eyes open? Now I had a discussion with my brother about this the or the other day, and he said that he thinks he saw Doug twitch at the end. I did not see the twitch. I saw Doug with his eyes open, and I thought he was definitely dead. Did oh, I, not, I, I saw... Th- I think I saw the twitch, too, and I assumed... I mean, he may be in a coma or something like that, but yeah, he, I, I think there's... It's open enough that he could show up again next season. I mean, we don't see... I It wasn't, it wasn't clear enough that he was completely dead. <laughs> you don't think so? I mean, I... I, I think it'd be pretty bad. Were his eyes open, or did I... I think his eyes are open. Were his yeah. eyes open, or did I... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Can you have a coma? With, I, I guess I assume you could have, be in a coma with your eyes open. I guess that I think so. Be possible. Yeah. Right? And that whole sequence though kind of reminded me of. Did you watch The Sopranos at all? Uh, I didn't. I mean, I didn't see the later seasons, but don't, don't feel like you're giving anything away. Go ahead. Well, so say. Christopher, um, Christopher's uh, girlfriend, um, oh God, Adriana. She was she played was played by Drea De Matteo or whatever. She was a she was reporting back to the FBI. Um, they kind of used her as an as a as a uh, informant informant on the Soprano family. And mm-hmm. uh, when it kind of word got out, 
I, I guess I should say this is a spoiler alert, but even though this show's been done for 10 years, um, spoiler alert, uh, they figure it out and, uh, she, they take her, I forget who it is, uh, was it Polly Walnuts? No. Someone, one of the guys takes her out to the woods and they think they're just going on a drive, but she take, they take her out to the woods to kill her because she's, you know, she's a leak. And uh, no one in the family, not very many people in the family actually end up finding out and they just kind of assume she ran away even, uh, but it kind of reminds me of Doug taking Rachel out because she is loose end. And even though they all like her and they all love her, you know, she could be the undoing of everything. So Exactly. And you got, you know, Frank has said to, I think Frank has said to Doug so many times, are there any holes, Doug? Are there any holes, Doug? Tie up loose ends, Doug. Tie up loose ends, Doug. And this has kind of been the thing that Doug has been preserving, um, you know, because he had an addiction to it, just like he had used to have an addiction to drinking, that he could not tie up. And now I think he had resolved to finally tie it up, and but it was it was going to pain him deeply. Right. That's my theory. Right. So anyway, at, excellent, well done, and I think that I just want to say that uh, what's the name of the actor? Michael. Um, oh, the guy that plays Doug. Um, yeah. The guy that plays Doug did an excellent. I thought has done an excellent job this season. Um, once you Michael that, Kelly. Michael Kelly. That's right. Mr. Kelly. And yeah. Silvio was the one who killed Adriana. Sorry, not Polly Walnuts. <laughs> Did you look that up too? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that Michael Kelly did an excellent job this season. Kind of seeing him struggle with that weird addiction he had to her yeah. was, I mean, very compelling. It was. It was a little Although drawn out, a little long at times. And I it, still don't it understand was. the purpose, but it was well acted. <laughs> It was well acted, but I, I, it's true. It probably was. But I guess it added more gravity to this happening finally. Yeah, I liked his character, and it made him, like you said, a lot deeper. Mm-hmm. Of course, back at the back at Camp David, I guess it is. Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, well, it, impeachment's going to the, to the House floor as... Um, this is before they go to Camp David. As Frank and Claire are enjoying a victory smoke by the window, and that's when Meacham arrives to tell him the news that Walker is uh, wants to see them at Camp David. So, of course, Frank and Claire fly to Camp David to see Walker and Trisha, and Walker says he's going to resign, and he's going to give Frank the presidency, and he gives Frank back the letter, and Frank, of course, throws it into the fire, and we kind of have a very dramatic moment where we focus on the name Mr. President burning up. Yeah, yeah. And then Frank, doesn't he give uh, like kind of a side glance to a, to the audience again as kind of a... Yeah, hit us over the head with the symbolism there, why don't you? Yeah. yeah. Um, so Walker gives his resignation press conference uh, and gives a very, very kind speech in favor of Frank. Yeah. And then we see Frank sworn in, his hand on the Bible as Claire holds it. Yeah. Um, this is a question I had for you because I couldn't remember the political chain. Who becomes vice president when a president resigns? That is a great question, and I should have looked that up before we did this. Um, I had planned to as well. It's the ch- it's, it would be the same thing as in the regular chain uh, presidential line of succession, right? So would it be the the uh, Speaker of the House? Speaker of the House, which in that case would be uh, Birch. But he's a Rep- I think. Republican. No, he's no he's a Democrat. Birch is, isn't he? Birch I thought is the, the House is, is the... controlled by Republicans and the Senate was controlled by the Democrats. So the Speaker of the House would no, be... No, that's an... You're thinking in real life. In uh, the show, the House is controlled by Democrats and the Senate is controlled by Republicans. Oh, uh, you're right. You're right. That's right. Because he was House Majority Whip. Right. Right. Because um, in this case, that Birch is Speaker of the House. So I think he is the one. So that he becomes... gets bumped up to VP? Yeah. So it wouldn't be um, Durant, who he had kind of talked about maybe being a. Vice president, maybe that'll be when he runs the next election, because um, she would be she's number four in line. Okay, um, between Speaker of the House and Secretary of State is President Pro Tempore, oh, which is right. the I I think it would be the opposite party's leader of the House. Is that right? So if it would be whoever the leading Republican is in the House, I believe. Right. Um, or no, President Pro Tempore of the Senate. It's the Senate, isn't it? 
Oh, so it's the but it's but wouldn't that be Harry Reid then? Because here it's saying like that would be no. President that's Lincoln. the that's the Senate Majority Leader, the President Pro Temporis, the second Is highest the second highest person in the Senate, I believe. Oh, so I don't know if we know even who the second highest person in the Senate is. I don't think we've met them yet. Yeah. No, maybe not. Um, I don't think it's that Tea Party dude. Um, Right. And so, and we already know, like, the Marco Rubio looking guy is the Senate Majority Leader. Right. Um, So, yeah. So I guess that Birch would become Frank's Vice President. Sorry, (laughs) dealing with that, but interesting. uh, Civics lesson there. (laughs) <laughs> Important to know, probably going into next season, right? He'll be yeah, vice president. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Frank starts his presidency by immediately healing things with China. Um, he, I, I assume he, he solves that so quickly. Don't you think he probably had this in his back pocket the entire time? And he exactly, did, but he was probably in talks with somebody. Or yeah, knew exactly what needed to be done. Do you remember what he did to do it though? He revokes Feng's asylum. Yeah, I think that he had planned to do that the entire time. Which which means. Feng will now go get executed back home. He will be executed. It will. And, and Duran, I think, even brings up, like, this could make us look bad. Or, like, we're not, you know, going to yeah. be honest to asylum. And, and Frank's like, like, you I'm know what? Fuck. If it's that or peace, I'm going to go for peace. What are you going to do? Yeah. Second, what a, what a great uh, uses the humanitarian line. move there, Frank, for your first act as president. <laughs> Send someone to their death. Well, as he says, as he says, he is sacrificing the one for the many. Mm-hmm. Um, which is also, of course, metaphoric for sacrificing Walker for, uh, you know, him and Durant and Claire and everyone else who's going to benefit from his presidency. Um, yeah, very utilitarian of him. I also had in here, I just wondered, you know, when, when they showed that last scene of Stamper lying in the woods with his eyes open, um, I, I wrote, Stamper is dead? Question mark, exclamation point. And then I followed it up with, Seth is the new stamper, period. Yeah. <laughs> because that's kind of what it seems like, right? Yeah. And Seth's kind of... that's. It seems like that's partly maybe why they brought him in, is to fulfill that role. Even if Steb, you know, Doug is in a coma next season. Just like I Lucas mean, was the next Zoe. And then... Although a really poor yeah. version of her. They're both stupid. Uh, he had so much going I for I was kind of... I was disappointed at how that storyline went this season, and how the, yeah. I'm not seeing Janice again was another disappointment. Um, but okay, well, let's talk about our disappointments and our likes at the very end here. Before, so this episode ends with Frank shaking hands, basically down this hall in the White House. Of he's shaking hands with all the people he's fucked over the first two seasons. Yep. You know, um, we see you know Kerr in there. We see the Republican dudes there. Um, we see I think Donald is there. Um, you know, all these people he screwed over. Jackie's there, I believe, and he, you know, goes into the, you know, room next to the Oval Office, and interesting, Claire gives him a birthday gift, and I want to point out that the season started with a birthday, we'll remember, so it's, a, it's supposed to indicate about a year's gone by, so if we'll remember, Meacham gave him the F.U. Right. Uh, cufflinks. Cufflinks. And now it's ending with a birthday, so this marks about a, the show, you know, has now taken, we assume the season has been about a year. Mm-hmm. Um, Claire, ha- Claire has had a new class ring made for Frank. That's right. Um, what's the symbolism of the birthday in the class ring? I didn't understand that part. I didn't either. Remember, actually, remember I, that I he think about it. he he buried his old class ring at the Civil War at the Civil War reenactment. Right. So I'm going to throw out a theory. Then, if we're just going to, I mean, this is what we do on this show. Um, my theory is, you know, we had talked about how. Basically, the whole Civil War motif throughout the season was symbolic of the Civil War that Frank was kind of insurrecting inside the White House. Right? Right. So, it almost seems as if when he buried his ring like that, that was like an offering. Um, It's like a, you know... Right. You know, he mentions he's taking... He's exposing himself by giving up his ring, but it's like he was sending it up toward the gods of war almost as a sacrifice to to bring him good fortune. Right. And now it is returned to him. Right. Um so that's one that's potential interesting. Thing yeah. That's interesting. And so great scene to end end this season. Frank in the Oval Office, he walks into the Oval Office where he's been trying to get the entire time throughout the first two seasons. Right. There's a grandfather clock behind him. I want to note like right over his shoulder whether that is indicating that he's like finally made it, you know, it's finally time for him to be there or that his time there's going to be limited. Um I guess next season will tell. But he walks up to the desk as this aria plays in the background. 
Um, he pushes the chair away from the desk and stands there. Yep. Puts his ring on his finger. Um, kind of is rubbing the desk, and he looks up at the camera and just takes his fist and bangs twice on the desk and cut to black. Boom. Uh, symbols in there. His signature <laughs> knock. He does that. He does his yeah. like. He does that a lot, doesn't he? I, he does do that a lot. I'm not sure what it's supposed to mean. Um, fate is knocking, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, badass, badass end there. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, so a couple questions for you. What are untied ends from this season? What do you wish was resolved but didn't? What do you think was resolved poorly? Um, what are you hoping they'll resolve next season? Oh, my God. That's a lot of questions. Um, I think it Doug, is. I'm Doug, sorry to hit you with them all at once. Yeah, Doug Stamper, that whole thing needs to be figured out. And what what the hell is going to happen to Rachel? And, and what? Yeah, because if that. Doug really is dead, then the Rachel storyline was all for naught. I feel like, like, like Rachel and Doug basically had no part in anything dealing with Frank for the most part, except being that loose end that just floating out there. So that's why I don't think he is dead. Because if he is dead. Then, and maybe he, I don't know, if he, I, I just don't understand if, if what's going to happen with Rachel if, if Doug is dead. Um, what, what, what else was, um, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, happens with the vice president, like you, like we had talked about earlier. It'll also be interesting to see what happens with, if Walker and uh, I forget his first name, but and Trisha just get you know, are they just written off now? Are they going to go off into the sunset? Um, and if the and it, what's going to happen with Gavin? Is he going to be uh, someone that's able to take uh, Frank down? Those are the those are the unresolved yeah. things that I can think of. A couple more that I'm going to ask you about. Um, do you think we will see Janine or Lucas again next season? I hope we see uh, Gavin um, reach out to Janine and Lucas because of their knowledge of what was happening. Because they already have a lot of information. And Gavin has, even though Gavin, <laughs> unfortunately, and not, you know, he screwed over Lucas, but he did it because he had a gun to his head, basically. Or at least to, um, what's his guinea pig's name? Cashew. <laughs> Catch you. Um, <laughs> but uh, I could see him reaching out to Janine and Janine. I would love to see Janine come back in. Um, and I also, I mean, uh, Isla. She was she was kind of interesting too. But I like the journalism characters if they were if they become more uh, uh, competent. That'd be great. Because those are the, I would I would not be surprised to see Gavin come together with Isla. Yeah, because um, she's kind of proven herself to be the one who has the journalism investigative chops to right. dig into things like Rachel. Mm-hmm. And now that Frank uh, doesn't Jackie. have, uh, well, I would say now that Frank that yeah. may not have Doug at his disposal, he can't really. I mean, who can he bring in? I guess he could bring in Seth, but will he tell Seth all the shit that happened before that Doug is aware of and that Doug was keeping hidden and covered up? Or is he just well, going like, to let that go? I, well, and I was going to say at the same time, he could almost use that as an out, like that Doug did all that without him knowing about it. And, oh, yeah. you know, they say dead man tell no tales. You know, he can pin it all on Doug because he was already going to pin. He already did pin the China China stuff on Doug. Right. So, you know, who who's to say what else Doug did without him knowing about it, you know? True. Uh, so, and you said Jackie and Remy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure what they'll do there. I, it'll be interesting to see if Jackie gets a new position on the cabinet. Um. I like her, but uh, you know it'll be it'll it'll be interesting to see how she responds to uh, the power play or the 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 the, the supreme power that uh, she has her wagon hitched to right now, which is Frank. And we know Remy's not going to jail because he didn't end up testifying. So right, and if Remy's going to work for I mean, Frank, he is going to be kept around. Right, which would be interesting. I think it would be interesting to see that dynamic come back. Right. Um. Two more. Uh, Tusk. Do you think we're done with Tusk? I kind of hope so. He wasn't... I, can, I do, too. I do, too. <laughs> I didn't like his role that much. I mean, it could have been a lot bigger and badder, but, again, he, like, barely gave Frank a challenge outside of, like, maybe two or three scenes that Frank quickly resolved, uh, you know, ten minutes later. And I think, it, yeah, we, it was drawn out. 
and it seemed like kind of the same thing episode after episode. I, I, mean, I feel like we've been there, done that. Yeah. Um, sorry, actually two more. Uh, Freddy. Will Freddy come back? No, I think we're done with Freddy. Freddy's storyline seems so really uh, peripheral to anything Tied up. now. Yeah, and it seems That's to be true. done. I agree. That's yeah. too bad, though. I really liked Freddy. Yeah. Um, and the final one is, is Claire's bill dead, or is that going to come up again in season three? I think Claire will have another pet project now that she is first lady. I don't know. I don't know if we'll see. I think this you're probably right because they've they've kind of done that every season. It's like first yeah. it was the water right thing season one. It was this season two. Yeah, I'm sure she'll have some other things right. she takes on season three. I do have one thing I want to point out that we didn't see at all from Claire in season two, and that is she was no longer into the whole paper cranes thing. That had to do. It seemed like with Rousseau's kids um yeah and she got over that quick and, and i mean maybe that was because it was linked to her idea of having kids and then that seemed mm. to mm-hmm. disappear so quickly at the beginning of the season without any real explanation as to why that was the case other than i mean maybe she just thought that was too much distraction when they were trying to be president right um and i guess the real question is so next season is that gonna okay so here's my theory that i want to th- outline for is like season one was you know, I'm trying to remember exactly the way Richard the Third, the Shakespeare play, mm-hmm. which in a lot of ways Frank Underwood is based on, ends. And spoiler alert: Richard is killed in the end of Richard the <laughs> Third at the hands of that's like a, a 500 outside year spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even worse. A little of the Sopranos spoiler. Um, he's killed by an adversary um, that came comes from. Outside of you know the key people around him, it's like an outside adversary. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering if we're mimicking kind of the story, the rise and fall of Richard. You know, we see Frank in season one um, manipulating his way to the top. We kind of see in the middle act him finally reaching that apex of power by doing everything he needed to to get it, and. We don't know. Do we? We have no word yet if there's going to be a season four, right? No, but I do feel like Kevin Spacey and Robin Wright may not want to stick on a show that's like they they seem too big to be doing a TV show for more than three seasons. So I don't. I mean, they may try to wrap it up in three or four. I'm almost wondering if next season is it, next season is either going to be the beginning of Frank's downfall or the story of Frank's downfall. I believe. Yeah. Yeah, um, I agree. It just feels like that would be the natural tra- trajectory of things because there's nowhere else for him to go at this point. Right. You know? Like, now that he's ruler of the universe. Goal. I mean, I guess he could try to be reelected in two years, but there's two whole years, right, before the next election. Do we know how much time? I think it is because. I think you're right. I think it's two. This, se- this season was about a year, and I think season one was supposed to be about the span of a year. Okay. And at the beginning of season one is when Walker was just elected, I believe, right? Right. So that would be, unless there was time between the two seasons, but I don't, I don't remember. I I don't think there was. I think it was pretty seamless because no, it was absolutely seamless. Remember, because they go on a jog, and they're like are coming back from their jog. I think at the beginning of season two, so it was completely seamless. We jumped. That's right. You're right. You're right. Yep. So I think we have two years left in this presidency. So, I mean, maybe it'll be four years. Maybe it'll be, that'll be it, as he doesn't get reelected, and that'll be the end of it. Yeah. Um, although I almost think it's more likely that he somehow gets killed or sent to jail. Because um, I don't see him just losing election and standing by. Uh, well, hell. Um, okay, so a couple last season things to wrap this up. This season compared to last season. Um, what were your favorite things about this season? And do you Why don't you start that? with this one? Uh, uh, what you think first? Because I feel bad I'm answering all of them. But um, I will say that they were oddly a bit similar. Uh, there was, you know, with Frank had one kind of storyline that was one narrative, a main narrative that was kind of roping him through the whole season. And Claire had her one project. And, uh, and it was uh, little obstacles along the way, but all leading up to uh, one bigger act that we kind of didn't completely see coming, but we kind of understood what was going to happen with a few surprise deaths. Uh, what it, you know, it, it's, they yeah. seem really similar to me. What do, what do you think? 
I think that you were right about that. I do think I enjoyed this season more because I think there was more dramatic tension. Um, maybe not. I mean, obviously, I don't think that. I think we were supposed to feel like Frank was more challenged, especially at the end when he yeah. puts everything on the line and kind of really exposes himself. Um, but I think you're right. It didn't like it was never very serious, and especially if we were supposed to feel really threatened by a character like Lucas, that never really seemed the case. No, just like Zoe. Um, I really was... liked. Right. Um, it was very dramatic to kill Zoe off in episode one. So, I mean, that was a, a big highlight, obviously. Right. Um, the Snapper storyline was good. I, I guess in some ways you could compare it to the Russo storyline in season one. Um, similar guys who kind of are tr- dealing with addiction and then end up kind of um, dead or maybe dead at the end. I like Russo. I think that Stamper is a great character. I liked Russo better. Um, we loved Russo. I thought that... His, uh, the actor who plays Rousseau Corey Stoll um, Corey Stoll I thought was awesome and not I mean no disrespect to Michael Kelly who did an excellent job yeah. but I thought I thought that that story I liked that better um, he just seemed so much more human and like really believable in his struggles right in his addictions um, so I think I liked that aspect of season of, of season one better um, I really liked, I way more liked the role Claire had, though, in this season. Yeah, um, I agree. So much of the things, you know, we were saying last season is like, what the hell is this whole water thing? What's the point of it? Yeah, yeah. Um, we need more Claire. She kind of went off and had her thing with Adam, and it was like she was becoming a softie. But this season, I think she was magnificent and super well acted. Um, you know, we learned so much more about their marriage, and we see her manhandle people and manipulate people but also be vulnerable right um i thought it was awesome i would say she's probably my mvp of this season um if, I, I mean I, and obviously frank is solid in both seasons i mean kevin spacey's spectacular but i would say she's my mvp for this season Corey stolen's my mvp for season one i i think i would agree with that the other um, thing I would add in, though, about this season, which I liked, was um, even though the, there was a big hole when uh, Russo, you know, died and was not a part of season two, um, they did, and this person does not replace him at all, but we did get to meet some new characters, which was kind of fun, uh, and I'm really interest, interested to see what happens with Jackie's character uh, and where she goes, because we didn't get to know her too well outside of you know, you know everything we knew about her. She still seems a little two dimensional, but she could grow to be a very interesting character. And I, I kind of hope they we get to spend more time with her and explore her role uh, and her uh, uh, struggles with dealing with Frank's power trip, uh, but also Remy, who is uh, kind of on her other shoulder. It's, I agree with you, and I'm still interested in learning more about Seth. Still yeah. wondering what the whole what what the point of Connor was. That's the point like of Connor. Was, yeah, I, I think I, <laughs> just to show that Seth is cutthroat too. I don't know. It was. I, I guess. Why would you use a big yeah. name actor? I don't. Anyway, yeah. Um, the whole the drama, the Freddy storyline, I thought was excellent too this season. Mm, though that was um, great. I really liked that. And that grounded to see him. That was know. the only kind of outside of the White House that we really kind of got. You know. It, we didn't get to see anything outside of what was happening within the walls for the most part, except for when we were at Freddy's uh, place. And when Frank goes to the Civil War um, right. reenactment place, I think. But yeah, even that's um, like yeah. him doing his politician thing. Well, yeah, and it was all him doing. I mean, even he goes to see Lanigan, remember, and that was a great scene, but it was still obviously him trying to intimidate versus them trying to intimidate. Um, yes, I, I agree with you, and... There's a lot of great moments from this season, and there's a lot less of like of the Frank soliloquy of him talking to the camera. I felt like that was way yeah, more they backed off on that. Too. I remember I hated it at first, and, they, and then I started to like it. <laughs> and then they do it less. They, I mean, they had it every so often, but not quite as yeah. much. But I like the little overall, glances. You know, like they'll yeah, do it in yeah. Parks and Rec or in The Office, where like someone will like do something like Jerry or Larry, whatever they call him now, will like fart. And then you'll see, like, Tom or April, like, look at the camera and just, like, go, like, ah! Roll. Like, this is so ridiculous. Or roll their eyes or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I like those little The sides to the camera are nice. Yeah. I do like I, the sides to the camera. Those yeah, are cool. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so I mean, oh, we didn't we didn't give a rating to the series finale. I do want to point out that we didn't. I don't think you and I really loved the series finale or the season finale of season one very much because we kind of felt like no. it was incomplete. And right. episode one of this and season was more of the ending. I do feel like this was a very exactly. a pretty complete. I mean, obviously more complete season finale. Yes. So I think I mean a little cliffhanger. I would but give this more resolution. I would give it a four and a half. I think. Woo! Um, oh, oh boy! Wow! I, I mean, for a, for a season finale, it was really strong. There was a lot of yeah. good, interesting things to happen. Yeah, I would give it. What do you think? Four and a quarter. <laughs> All right, so we're working at eight and three quarters. Um, and overall, I think I would give this season. I don't remember what we gave last season. I don't remember what we gave um, it either. Yeah. I would give this season a 9 out of 10, though, if I was going to give it a full score. Because I feel like um, wow, it was really strong. It was really strong, and I think uh, while there are things... Okay, maybe that, now you're making me feel like that's too high. That's maybe I so, give it an That's an A. Maybe, you're right. You're, okay, 8 out of 10. Maybe I give it a B. A B. I would give it a solid, a solid B. B. I give it a solid B for sure. Yeah. Like, it had some right, great moments. Right. I still love the freaking show. Like, I, I enjoy every minute of it, even though... We pick it apart here, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was exciting and fun, and the actors are fantastic. And <laughs> the, the minute you said you were like, "Whoa!" I was like, the, I, That's "For some really reason, my high. mind immediately went. To, my mind immediately went to Lucas, and I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> Lucas himself brings it down a grade, right?" Um, I mean, like when I think of AIDS, I think of like The Wire or something like that, you know. And this show is or Breaking Bad or Breaking yeah, Bad, yeah. yeah. The show is absolutely, you know, on par with really incredible shows, but there's there's still enough uh, um, downfalls that just bring it down to just a smidge. Uh, yeah, you're right. I would, you know, I it, think eight or ten is still solid B, almost B plus, right around there. So that's like a yeah. 80, eight eight point five eight point five. Yeah. yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's fair to say. But man. Uh, any, I don't know, any other, anything else you, um, any last thoughts or final thoughts? I Other am, than uh, I'm excited for next season? I'm so <laughs> excited for next season. I really want to know where they're going to go with it. At least with um, last season, we kind of saw, uh, even though it didn't feel like a cliffhanger, it felt like an episode leading up to what was going to be happening next season. This one, all we really know is Frank's president and Doug Stamper is likely dead and... Gavin yeah, knows about Rachel, and yes. yeah, yeah. That's that's really. It's it could be they could. I wonder if they would if they're if they're gonna do a time jump or if they're just gonna pick it up like they did and continue on chapter twenty seven or you know. I, I, I'm just I have no idea, and I haven't seen anything written about what it's gonna be outside of there is a season three, so I'm just pumped. Me neither. Um, and I already gave my wild prediction. I think that Frank is going to start his downfall and the season is going to end with him dying and that's going to be the end of the series. Uh, obviously, that'll change if we hear there's a season four coming. Right. Um, but I still think it's going to be the beginning of the end. Uh, any wild predictions you want to throw out there? I agree. I think it is going to be the beginning of the end because Lord knows there's nowhere more up he can really go. And I pray, though, that when he does go down, he doesn't... It, it, he does that he gets broken down like bit by bit and we kind of maybe see him crack a lot more as opposed to maybe just getting finally taken down completely in one fell swoop at the end you know it, it, we, yeah. we, i want to keep seeing him struggle because he's not this you know all powerful above every other human being uh entity well he's he's been he's, invincible up to this point yeah and now that he's president, I don't know. It's I, I wonder what his motivations are, because the only motivation I knew in his core that he had was power that he wanted to be president. And now that he is it, what else is there? And maybe yeah, that's an excellent point. What's what he doesn't have and what's he gonna scheme toward? Yeah. Because the scheming was what made him so exciting and fun. And his charm, you know, his personality is fantastic. Uh but now that he's gotten what he wanted it's going to be weird to see how they keep us interested in him being an asshole. <laughs> I mean, maybe he battles real, you know, he butts heads with the Senate, the Republican-controlled Senate. The other thing I can think of is maybe the Republicans take over the House, too. Oh, and so yeah. he's battling all of Congress. That could be fun. And it's going to be like him versus Congress. And then we're watching West Wing. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, the the only thing I hope they steer clear away from is the whole abstract China, the bridge, all that stuff was just didn't really ever hit home to me, so, and I didn't care that much about it. In the past, yeah. Let's hope that's all gone. Now. Yeah, I agree that along with Tusk, that kind of served its place in now. It's right, right, yeah. Anyway, Whew. wow. I, I agree. <laughs> anyway, I feel exhausted. We. I feel like we pretty well unwrapped every most of the thoughts I had. I'm sure we could come up with more stuff. Oh yeah, I feel like we we definitely did it service. Um, shit, man. With that, uh, <laughs> until until next time, where can people follow you in in the in the dead space? Oh, I will be on Instagram and I will be on Twitter at Chris Husted, Chris with a K, and I believe you are also on those, Tyler. I will be on. Twitter and Instagram as well at TJ Moss 11. Um, if you're bored and you want to take some time, you can also go on Netflix and watch uh, American Horror Story and see our or listen to our podcast on that if you don't already. Yeah, this American Horror Story. Check out the show. Listen to our podcast. We're big. Uh, you know, we we enjoy that too. Yeah. So that's. It's our other passion. We'll probably be doing another podcast too sometime in the summer. So um, check the Facebook page. You know, keep keep an eye out. We'll send out probably in a yeah. We'll post stuff about it on Facebook. But <laughs> that's facebook.com slash this house of cards podcast Aww. and on iTunes this house of cards podcast. All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Uh, signing off. Thanks. This is Tyler Moss with my co-host Chris Houston. Good night, everyone. I don't want to be your friend. I just run